The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Today is Wednesday, April 8th, 2020. On this day in 1943, Otto and Elisa Hampel were beheaded in Berlin's Plötzensee prison for their protests against Hitler's government. The pair had been leaving anti-Nazi postcards around Berlin, inciting the investigation of Hitler's secret police, the Gestapo. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. I'm Vanessa Richardson, and today I'm joined by our guest host, Miranda Zickler, co-host of the podcast American Hysteria. On American Hysteria, Miranda dives into urban legends, mass panics, and conspiracy theories to try to uncover why we believe these rumors and the real truths the wild stories are covering up. Hello, Today in True Crime listeners, and thanks for having me, Vanessa. Thanks for being here. Miranda's here to discuss some of the historical aspects of today's story while I'll cover the narrative. I'm really excited to tell this story. Uh, Usually on American Hysteria, we cover events people have overreacted to, but in this story, the Nazi regime was blindly accepted and it underscores the real bravery of these two whistleblowers. Let's go back to the notorious Plötzensee prison in the early morning hours of April 8th, 1943. Thirty-nine-year-old Elisa Hampel blinked her eyes in the cold, damp air. It was still dark, but through the bars of her cell door, she could make out the faces of other prisoners across the walkway, each of them bound with shackles like hers. By straining her neck, Elisa could just barely peer into the cell of her husband, 45-year-old Otto Hampel, across the way. He looked back at Elisa knowingly then closed his eyes. All of the prisoners here on the ground floor of House 3 were destined for one of two things, the noose or the guillotine. It was the holding place for everyone sentenced to capital punishment at Plötzensee Prison, which most people referred to by its nickname, House of the Dead. Elisa shivered and crossed her arms. She and Otto had been imprisoned for almost six months plenty of time to make peace with their past. After all, they had chosen this life. For two years, Otto and Elisa had done the work of the resistance, leaving postcards around Berlin encouraging other Germans to rise up against Hitler. High treason was a serious crime in Hitler's Germany, and speaking against the Fuhrer was the worst offense. But Otto and Elisa had done so fearlessly. It was a small sacrifice to make for the greater good of Germany and their socialist ideals. Now they could only hope that their legacy would live on, that others would take up the cause to free Germany from its treacherous upper class. Elisa jolted out of her reminiscence. 
A familiar feeling of panic flooded her body. She'd felt this same anxiety each time she and Otto hit a postcard in Berlin, always worrying that this time was going to be the last. But the feeling was more acute than Elisa had ever experienced. It was real now. They were actually going to die. Two prison guards strode into Otto's cell. They handcuffed him and heaved him up by the armpits. As they let him out, Otto craned his neck to look at Elisa. His eyes were stubborn and reassuring, but Elisa could read the fear underneath. She trembled as he walked out of the cell door. Then he was gone. After what felt like a few short minutes, the guards returned. They unlocked Elisa and led her out of the cell and through a door at the end of the building. Outside, the sun had barely risen. The air was cold and wet with April's dew. Elisa could feel the damp cement beneath her tattered prison shoes as they crossed a small courtyard towards the brick execution shed. When Elisa stepped inside, the scent of bleach hit her nostrils with force. The interior was painted a stark white. At the end stood a wall with two domed windows that filtered in the early morning light. All in all, the room looked like a vacant chapel, except it wasn't empty. Off to one side stood a massive wooden guillotine, the same one that had just killed Otto. It was all too much for Elisa to bear. She couldn't think about that. As she was led towards the bench, she conjured a loving image of her brother instead. If he had not been killed in Hitler's selfish war, she and Otto would have never had the bravery to speak against the Third Reich. Elisa tried to hold on to her brother's memory as she laid down on the guillotine's bench her neck beneath the blade. Then everything went black. In a moment, we'll learn the history of Otto and Elisa Hampel's crimes and their eventual demise. Now back to the story. On April 8th, 1943, 39-year-old Elisa Hampel and her husband, 45-year-old Otto Hampel, were executed by guillotine for their crimes against Hitler's government. They'd been sentenced to death for distributing anti-Nazi postcards around Berlin, an offense that was considered high treason. My guest host Miranda is here to discuss Otto and Elisa's past and their eventual motives for speaking out against Adolf Hitler's regime. Thanks, Vanessa. For most of their life, Otto and Elisa Hampel were ordinary German citizens. Otto served in World War I, and when the war ended in 1918, he found employment at the Siemens Schuchert Cable Factory in Berlin. Ten years later, in 1928, Otto joined the veteran group Stahlhelm, or Steel Helmet, one of Germany's many paramilitary groups formed during the intermediary Weimar Republic. The group became increasingly nationalist, and it was subsumed by the Nazi party following Hitler's appointment as German Chancellor in 1933. This put an end to Otto's participation, likely because he was no longer needed, since at this stage there's no evidence he had qualms about the Nazi government. Two years later, in 1935, he married Elisa Lemma. Elisa was six years younger than Otto. She had only finished grade school before she started working as a household servant. 
By the time she married Otto, 32-year-old Elisa would have been considered a spinster. The couple never had any children. In 1936, a year after their wedding, Elisa joined the Nazi Party's Women League, known as the National Socialist Frauenschaft. The group prided itself on war efforts such as collecting scrap metal and training women to become ideal German housewives. Elisa was an especially enthusiastic member of the group. Like Otto, showing no signs that she was resistant to Hitler, she even became a leader, running her own branch. All in all, Otto and Elisa were poised to spend the rest of their lives as upright working-class citizens within Hitler's Neuerdnung, or New World Order. However, one event would change the entire course of their lives and ultimately cut them short. In 1940, Elisa received word that her brother had died fighting for the Nazis during their invasion of France. Elisa was heartbroken and angry. That same year, she left the Women's League. Otto and Elisa continued their daily work, but by September 1940, they had joined the loose ranks of the German resistance, any German operating in some form of defiance against Hitler's government. Over the next two years, Otto and Elisa functioned entirely alone. Their modus operandi was to handwrite anti-Nazi sentiments on postcards and leave them around Berlin in semi-private places, such as mailboxes and stairwells. Each postcard contained a message protesting the government, and in particular, Hitler. As one postcard said, German people, wake up. We must free ourselves from Hitler. They encouraged people not to donate to the Nazi party and to resist military service, calling Hitler a war machine and his government a plutocracy. Otto and Elisa also indicated their socialist concerns by referring to the war as the workers' death and protesting for freedom of press. From September 1940 until October 1942, the Hambles left more than 200 postcards around Berlin, but their pleas fell on deaf ears. Almost all of their postcards were immediately reported to the Gestapo, or secret police. Despite this inefficacy, the volume of Otto and Elisa's work was impressive, leading the Gestapo to believe that they were dealing with a larger resistance group. They had no idea it was just an everyday German couple. But a few missteps would soon lead them straight to the Hampels. On July 13, 1942, a postcard appeared at the Siemens Schuckert cable plant in Berlin, a factory where Otto had previously worked. A little while later, 64-year-old widow Gertrude Waschka observed a German couple placing a postcard in a staircase. She reported it to the police, who then closed in on the Hampels. On October 20, 1942, Otto and Elisa were arrested. The Gestapo ransacked their apartment, producing more evidence of their defamatory crimes. The Hampels were brought to trial via the Volksgerichtshof, or People's Court, a slipshod trial factory instituted by Hitler to swiftly sentence citizens who had committed a political offense. Otto and Elisa easily fit into this category. On January 22, 1943, they were found guilty of subversion of the war effort and preparation for high treason. Three months later, on April 8th, they were executed by guillotine at Berlin's infamous Plötzensee prison. Mm -hmm. 
I'm Vanessa Richardson. Thanks again to Miranda Zickler for joining me today. Thanks for having me. You can find my podcast, American Hysteria, on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more stories of controversial trials and sentences, check out ParCast Original, Not Guilty. Today in True Crime is a ParCast Original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast Originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast Originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Ali Wicker, with writing assistance by Nora Battelle. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 